Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I am Eric Skelsbill. Don't don't do that. Oh, good God. <laughs> Sorry. Don't, come on. Come on. Don't do that. Jesus, guys, no one hates Franklin more than you do. <laughs> guess I'm feeling trolly tonight. I don't know. Sorry, guys. That's uh, all right. That was 100% for the Like, that came to me, like, as John was introducing himself, I decided just to have a little fun with y'all. I apologize, everybody, if that was triggering. When when Franklin ran that fake kneel down play uh, to to run up the score, I was like, if Scuzz had been sitting next to me, he would have rushed the field and tried to get to Franklin before he got taken down. So, I'm just gonna put it this way: like James James Franklin, much like Kirk Ferentz, is a coach I never want to lose his job. Fair, and for for at least one half, all of Northwestern Nation wholeheartedly agreed with you bring back tim beckman baby oh boy um so yeah i mean penn state beat northwestern by a lot and i i I mean the real story of the game was the first half uh where we went to the half penn state beat northwestern by a lot because like they poured it on in the fourth quarter in effectively garbage time like exactly yeah yeah, I mean, the, the, my takeaway from r- relative to the scoreline is don't bet on football, folks, because if you had bet on football and let's say you had bet on Northwestern in this game, you'd be super mad because Penn State threw some, frankly, some bullshit and chicanery late in this game, got the cover late, and the cover ran totally counter to the tenor of the game. Was Penn State way better than us? Absolutely they were. Was the game out of reach? By the time we got to the fourth quarter, yeah, basically. I mean, it was only two possessions, but it felt like more than that. But that still wasn't the tenor of the game. Um, I just, as, I, I just yeah. want to like, well, I just want to call out a couple, like a number of other games that went in a similar fashion this weekend. So the the best example is Texas hosting Kansas. That was a thirteen seven game at half. Um, Texas at, like extended the lead by one score in the third and then blew the doors open in the fourth, 140 to 14. Oregon Stanford, 14 to 6 at half, and then Oregon just took off in the second half. Like this is a, a lot of times is what happens when there's like a really good team that that physically outmatches their opponent. Um, you're able to hang with them for a half, and then talent and depth just wear you down. And that's like that's that is no shade to Northwestern. I thought like I think what you're going to generally hear from us is it was a very, an excellent performance from the cats. And I think everybody who was watching was, was pretty impressed and, you know, surprised at the, the metal that Northwestern showed how well they, they looked in that game. And it, like, there's always going to be the, the, Oh, this was an embarrassing blowout fan. And I just like, we've been, we've been hearing that nonsense for as long as we've been Northwestern fans. And it just like, like we said, coming into this week, Penn state is really good. It's one of the best Penn State teams ever. I think I think Jay from Lake the Post was telling us that um, he has a really close contact who is a big Penn State uh, supporter and fan who's who's typically pretty pessimistic and was basically saying this is the best Penn State team since 1994, if not ever. Um, maybe that was I, I, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, that, yeah, they're really team. they're really good, and this was exactly what was supposed to happen. And Northwestern did an did an, an exceptional job bucking a lot of the deficiencies that we thought were going to show up in the first half. So kudos to them. 
Right. And and I think, right, like as Gus was saying last week, we lean so hard into the narrative of like, do not whatever happens in this game, don't lose sight of like, yep. don't keep Just your like eye on Duke. the ball here. Just and like honest, Duke. Right. And honestly, everyone, no one did. I mean, again, like, if people didn't watch the game and just woke up and look at the box the next day, that's one thing. But everyone who watched the game, like, oh, we've heard from people are like, let's rock and roll, baby. And I'm like, that's, that's, I think there is, this is exactly where we wanted to get to, that we were like, oh, God, we got to get past this Penn State game to get to this, this larger narrative that we want to talk about. And then instead, Northwestern gave us at least for two quarters, phenomenal football that had the student like, section. Like two, yeah. two and a half quarters. I mean, it, right. it, it went on into the third. As right. Well. And it's like that had like the student section on the fly. Students were running over to pack the student section. I mean, that was a real thing that happened. It was crickets at the start of the game. Word got out. Um, and credit to Kayla Cohen and credit to wild, the wild side, all those people, they have apparently like 900 people on like a, like notification chain and like the bat signal hey, went you guys. up. <laughs> yeah. Get your butts to this game. And people did. And so you have all that, but it was basically like everyone saw. And it's like, as we tweeted during the game, Northwestern put together f- four plus of the greatest quarters of football that you can take the Pepsi challenge with the second half of the Minnesota game and the first half of the Penn state game with any four quarters in a row that Northwestern has produced at any period in time. It was moments of absolute offensive and defensive perfection spread across those four quarters. And yeah, it went South in the second half of the Penn state game, but this is like the big thing. Everyone, everyone gets it. Everyone's like, there's something here. And I was juxtaposing it with the feeling after – I remember after the Nebraska game last year that we were all so ecstatic because of all of our fears and everything. And that was, of course, a great moment. But we were like, oh, we thought it was going to be this, this, this. And then like three or four games later, we were like, nope, so many of the problems that we feared were absolutely there. We're five games into the season, folks. And we've already played a couple absolutely elite football teams. And we've gotten to see every other team in the Big Ten West – play five games and everyone knows like it's clear-eyed everyone's like this team's got a shot to do plenty of stuff like and win a bunch of games and that's the thing i mean it's like this team is two and three and everyone thought they were going to be two and ten and right now they're two and three with all the meat on the bone for them and and everyone gets it and everyone realizes it and the positivity is is lifting us right now. Yeah, we talked last week there's you know there's e- like it is easy to circle four games on the schedule that are winnable. I I'm not going to say four easy wins. That's not what I'm saying. No. No, saying not at all. It is easy to identify four winnable games on the schedule from here on out. And we'll just have to say like last week I I I said um I thought, you know, per- Purdue was one of the one of the easier options. They smoked Illinois, so so maybe we're flipping the order around a little bit as we go. But like, other than Wisconsin, ain't nobody in the West has looked consistently good on either side of the ball. So, um, and and now Cade McNamara is out for the rest of the season for Iowa. So, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, the, uh, Iowa being the team that we got more raw. I mean, every year there's a team that we kind of like 
dramatically miss on in our preseason previews. And this, this year they were the team. Um, we've been, we've been pretty good otherwise, but, um, it I was, was like, but at, like yeah, after, after one week we were like, Oh, Iowa only has two good offensive players and they've lost both of those players. It's like, yeah, brutal. Yeah. So I will, we'll see, we'll, we'll see how Northwestern fares once they get into the meat of that big West. But I like that comment, John, all the meat is on the bone. That could not be more true. There's so much opportunity and and this isn't like wishful thinking that oh if they could just fix this and that and the other thing like maybe they'd be competitive no they've been competitive they've they've like by hook or by crook David Braun has figured out how to shore up this run defense to be effective oh. he's oh, getting yeah I mean like he's getting the pressure whole, the whole on quarterbacks yeah. we're we're adjusting on the offensive side and like yes we need these things to continue but like. This is not a the proof is in the pudding situation. Like we've seen the pudding, the the, the proof is there. They can do this now. They they, they got to execute. They've got to continue to be smart. They've got to they've got to continue to do all these things. But but we've seen them do it. This is not wishful thinking. This is keep doing what you're doing. Right. This is a team, Penn State last year, that piled up more than 220 rush yards against Northwestern in a monsoon. They like they rushed for 70, no, 90 more yards last year at a higher average in the muck in a swamp. And that was with guys like Rod Hurd playing fantastic football. It's a better defense this year. They're getting like Penn State rushed for 134 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. Um, and it wasn't for a lack of trying. Nicholas Singleton, who is an all Big Ten running back, had 21 carries for 80 yards with a long of 16. It wasn't like they weren't trying to get him the football. The guys were getting it done up front. And I mean, again, it's there's the there are the little things you can take away from the game that like the positives to be like, man. It's that unit, like, I mean, they rolled out that five-man front with Dylan Roberts last week. This week, it was four-man front with a lot of the guys who started the season. And a lot of guys who were a part of everything that went wrong last season, they're just getting better. Like, we highlighted <clears throat> Carmine Bastone um, on Twitter as a guy where, like, again, this is a guy who was on the board for, like, so much of that whole nightmare of last season. And you can just see, I test that guy is like playing up a level this year and he's not alone. PJ Spencer, um, those guys are playing good football inside. And like, that's what like Penn State tried to run the ball with their ludicrous stable of running backs. Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen and Trey Potts as their third running back. It's stupid. Well, Al- Allen got, Allen got hurt. Allen wasn't in for a right. majority of the game. Right. But it's like, I mean, they're, the wealth of riches that they have. I mean, they had Trey Potts when Catron Allen goes out. I mean, right. And they, and they, they couldn't get it done. Like, I mean, it's not like they had no success, but they ground out 134 yards at 3.4 yards per carry. And it's like, are there still problems? Sure. In the standard pass rush against a good offensive line without bringing in specialists like Antosaka in a third down situation, this team, produces little to no pass rush. And again, I mean, it certainly doesn't help when Carmine Bastone is getting absolutely mugged by a guard in front of two refs who don't throw the flag. That doesn't help. 
the times that we actually get a guy through, it'd be nice to actually be able to get that sack and not have the officials take it away from us. But I digress. But I mean, again, <laughs> it's like, here's well, another. I, yeah, go can, ahead. Can I, I just yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. add a, a really important point. So in years past, um, we've seen Northwestern, you know, sell out incredibly against the run. And I guess the year I'm thinking of is probably like 20. I'm probably thinking of like 2014, 2013 time frame or maybe it was 14 15 i don't know that 13 14 15 stretch was was um no 13 14 that's because 15 was when thorson came in and things flipped around and they had that incredibly the elite defense so right 13 and 14 you'd see games where northwestern would come out strong against the run i'm thinking about iowa in particular one of those two years and looking strong against the run early and then i was like okay we're not running the ball let's just like but these guys are selling out against the run. Let's just play action and bomb. And, you know, four, four plays and three drives later, they've scored another 21 points and, and it's all over. Penn State had one explosion play before garbage time yesterday or not or, or on Saturday. They had, they had a, a 35 yard pass to, to Lambert Smith. Yes. Trey Potts got that big play at the end, you know, to add on that last touchdown, but like, Singleton's longest run was 16 yards. I, I mentioned that 35 yard pass play. Like, yes, they were, you know, they got some chunks of 15s and 14s and 16s, et cetera. But like, this was not a situation where Northwestern was committing all their resources to the run and leaving the back door wide open. Um, this is, and it just, it just speaks to the intelligent construction of the defensive scheme and the way it is called and the way it's executed, the way it's taught the way the players have embraced it. This is, this is not just David Braun. This is a team effort that you are seeing play out before your eyes. That is beating all the expectations we had coming into the year. And it's wonderful to see. Absolutely. It, re- it really is. No, I mean, like to be able to come out of this game, final score is w- what it was, but like whatever, because the, uh, the number of good things we saw coming out of that, the the tenacity, the consistency, and like trying stuff. And like, I don't care that, you know, we went for it on fourth down in the third quarter and didn't get it. And then the fake punt didn't work. I don't care because, you know, to beat a team this good of Penn State, you, you got to you gotta take some chances. Yep. And, yep. and what, we, what we saw was a coaching staff who is willing to take those chances. It didn't work. Okay. You know, maybe next time it will, you know, another fake punt just misses, but like it it was there. Like these things are there and like, you know, they may not be there against Penn state. You know, that defense, like Penn state's defense is really frigging good. And like, they showed it like that was an awesome defense. They got to the quarterback and, you know, we could we had trouble putting something together offensively because that's a really friggin' good defense. But still, we were hanging with them. We were we were getting what we needed to get, like you know, turnovers, special teams, a lot of things were really clicking. And while it didn't work against Penn State, I don't think anyone is like throwing them in the towel and saying, Okay, we're done here. Let's let's pack it up and go home. So, so this comment is just like, this is a gut feeling that I have. I don't, I, I do not have the objective kind of like data or perspective to, to speak to this spot, like objectively or, or, or to quantify it. But like, does it feel to you guys like 
what was a huge weakness of Bajakian in the past three years on any sort of trickeration that they are executing significantly better this year. It doesn't always work, but the, but the timing of when they do it and when they try it and that like, it's getting a lot closer. Cause I feel like, I feel like in the past we'd run fake punts and like lose yards. <laughs> oh, well that's, yeah, that's like Jenic, every time. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like Jeff Jenick, I guess. Right. At the, uh, at specials who it should be said, right. We got some problems with punting right now that need to be sorted out. Overall special teams, have have gotten way better um there's i mean northwestern forced a fumble to start a game on special teams that fake which again right i mean it got all the yards except for one but jack olsen making field goals um it's it's so good to see him healthy yeah you know it's he's healthy we like we got a reliable kicking game here i mean it's just one more thing to add in for me there are like it's it's the two big things one we can't oversell enough how frigging good Penn State is. Like, again, you have people talking about that this might be one of the all-time Penn State football teams here. So anything where you're like, oh, Northwestern could have done a little bit better here. Northwestern could have been done a little bit better here. It's like Penn State's a god team this year. Like, whatever their, ce- their ceiling is a national title. They're one of those groups of teams. So it's like, that's part of it. It's more like celebrate how good the first half was. And then they're like little offshoots of that, like Penn State, and I'll I'll circle back to this in a second. Penn State sacked Northwestern seven times in this game, which is a huge number. They sacked Iowa three times, and they sacked Illinois three times, which, okay, that's less. You know what those two teams did? Turned it over nine times. Northwestern turned it over once, that insane Brendan Sullivan interception at the end of the game, which, again, no one's ever going to be able to explain, and that runs con- that runs counter to every other thing any of us have ever seen Brendan Sullivan do, and whatever. Have it be at the end of a game like that. Just, that was, that, you'll never be able to explain it, and, and whatever. Throw that one away. But the, the point being, Penn State's carving up everyone with this defense, and it's just a question of how you get carved up. And we were the latest victim. But then there's like the second part, and this kind of dovetails and shouts to Bradley Locker, who, you know, like is always digging this stuff up. But he on Twitter today was talking about Northwestern on the season right now is like sixth worst in the nation in terms of pressures given up. And that's one of those stats where, again, it's like you like we have a really young offensive line. A ton of them had Everyone other than Josh Preeb had negligible playing time coming into this season, right? I mean, they hit, some of them had starts to their credit, but no one had a sustained period of playing time other than Preeb coming into this and, year. And, and no continuity, right. even like with your right. next door neighbor, let alone across the whole line. Exactly. And we have right, right tackle Josh Thompson, who wasn't playing two and a half games before he was put up against the best pass rushing unit in college football. I mean, it's like, you're not going to get perfection and those guys got in. But again, like Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson are NFL starting defensive ends. I mean, it's like this team is ludicrously elite. But the larger point being that like, we were kind of talking with Locker about that on Twitter today. But I mean, he's right. Like he's going through and he's searching being like, look, we got this problem, right? Like we got this problem, like against elite defensive, like, you know, you got to get better. And even if you take out the Rutgers game and you take out the Penn State game, it could still be better. And like with a standard pass rush, Northwestern isn't getting to the 
quarterback and et cetera. It's like, yeah, we can go through. Think of it this way. We're in a boat and that boat's got a bunch of leaks and we're trying to fix the leaks. You know where we were six weeks ago on a piece of plywood floating in the middle of the ocean, okay? (laughs) We're in a boat now, okay? So I'm like not too inclined to look at the amount of water the boat is taking on. Suddenly there are prospects for this season. This team works and we've seen the ceiling on both sides of the ball already and all of a sudden everyone's inclined to be like, hell, yeah, we got problems. Who cares? Like, throw the warts to the wind. Let's just ride with this team. If if I can extend the analogy, like the the you know thirty foot waves that that are we were facing with you know Penn State and Duke, we, we've we've crossed the reef. We are in much calmer waters now. The rest of the way, <laughs> that's for sure. Meanwhile, right? Throw Rutgers in. Rutgers is four and one. They got smoked by Michigan. They blew out, and if we must lump ourselves into this category, the other four teams that they played, they're foaming at the mouth to play Wisconsin this weekend. And Duke is one horrific Mike Elko play call from being undefeated with wins over Clemson and Notre Dame. And Penn State is the number six team in the country. Those are our losses right now. Yeah. And, you know, as you you look ahead, you know, you see one – Tough game against Maryland coming up, but every other game, uh, Wisconsin's going to be hard as well. Wisconsin's they they see they seem to be figuring out their stuff. We'll see what they look like this weekend against Rutgers, but um, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt going forward. I just I think you know they had they had they had most of the eyeballs uh, coming into this year, and we thought Iowa could give them a well, and and Iowa has proven to be. Huh. A problem on multiple fronts, but that is like that's an opportunity you wouldn't think was even on the table. And now, like my God, I know dumpster fire. Well, now for me, the Wisconsin game is sliding into the classic Wisconsin game. Wisconsin is thought to be better and favored by most of the nation. You know how many of those games Wisconsin wins? Half. They win half (laughs) of those games, and they lose the other half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I know. Like this is the thing. Like we're all in a positive frame of mind about this football team. Like, all the pieces. I mean, think of where we were at this point last season. Like, everyone was down the well. No one's down the well right now. Guess what, folks? It didn't take five years. Yeah. No, no sure didn't. That's right. It's not. Like, this. that's the other thing we were highlighting on Twitter, right? Is like, all the problems that you might be looking at with the offensive line, which, again, we would still ascribe to the disaster of the Rutgers game and playing – Who knows how many guys this Penn State defense is throwing into the NFL? Probably all of them. Lots. Um, Yeah. Um, But describe the rest of the fact that this is a green unit that hasn't played together. Well, theoretically, I realized if Ben Rather takes a COVID year, which he for sure could do, he's eligible, they'll return four starters next year off of this line. And Jordan Knox, who looks like an absolute bull, and came in in this game when Dom D'Antonio got banged up. And then thankfully Dom went back in. But it's like, that's your line for next all of next year. So, I mean, it's like the the pieces. Like, yeah, I mean, this five-year thing. It's like, I mean, and again, we begrudge no one. Scuzz brought this up last week. Like, like it's like the way where people were thinking the first half of the Minnesota game. It's like, we get it. It's like if you are just despondent based on where you had been driven by the state of affairs of Northwestern football, and I mean only on the field, we get it. But I mean, like, 
the cats are cooking right now. And like, yeah, you look at the slate. Scott said the waves are passed. Like there's, there's nothing but opportunity here. In the words of former Northwestern center, Brad, Brad North, just ride the wave y'all. Yeah. Don't like, let, let, like, let, let, let your, your doom and gloom bones and your, your criticism, like just, just, let it ride. Just enjoy the wave. There are going to be ups. There are going to be downs. Um, but this is a team that uh, is putting it on, all out on the field right now. They're working really, really hard. Like the, the, the coaching staff is bringing it every minute of every game. Um, I mean, we, we like by way of transition, this is just like one of the things I've been thinking about with Howard mm-hmm. for, for, for as long as I've been a Northwestern fan. I have talked about how much I hate the FCS game. I can't stand it. I, I, I think it's all risk, no reward. I don't like that we schedule it. I don't like that we do it. We've lost four of them that I can count um, going back to New Hampshire. Illinois State, New Hampshire, SIU, so, Southern. Southern. Maybe it's just the three. Um, three too many. Well, two, two, two too many. Chip Kelly with Jerry Rice's kid. That was like... Yeah, that New Hampshire team was pretty damn good. Um, anyways, point being, I don't, I don't love it. Based on what we've seen to date this year, I feel really good that David Braun is going to come into this game and not approach it like an FCS game approach it like a real game that must be won and must be dominated in the way that Northwestern can. And to use it as a learning opportunity, use it as an opportunity to make adjustments. We're not going to be, this is our homecoming game and it's week six. So that like that, that's a little bit different flavor than we're used to, but like this is no time for hiding exotic stuff in the playbook for keeping keeping stuff under wraps till the big 10 season. This is, this is no time for that nonsense. And that is a departure from years past. Again, the timing of this game is different than we've ever seen before. So like take that with a grain of salt, but I have confidence in this team to come out with their hair on fire and treat this game like a, like a must win situation and, and, and put it all out on the field for, for a great homecoming uh, performance. That's, that's what I expect to see this weekend. And I, I, if I'm wrong, like that's going to really suck. Um, but everything we've seen to date kind of buoys my, my confidence and my perspective there. For sure. And again, we haven't really brought it up yet, but so Ben Bryant got banged up and we were all really, you know, nervous about this in the moment. And after the game, Braun said that he doesn't anticipate, it doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term injury. If Brian's good to go against Howard, fantastic. And if he's not, Brendan Sullivan will more than, Brendan Sullivan more than capable. Yeah, Brendan Sullivan will easily steer the ship against Howard. And again, that ridiculousness, like they're they're two different styles. Sullivan, obviously, we know, wants to run more. And he's he hasn't played much this season. So, like, you know, when he was thrown in against again an NFL defense, it didn't go well. We should mention though that that, that horrible play that again, I just feel bad for him because just no one's ever gonna be able to explain it, least of all him. I do want to point out the play right before that he made absolute magic happen on like a third and second on a third and 17 
and scrambled for it and picked up the entire thing himself. And it was an awesome play. Um, and he gives you that element. And again, he's sure as hell going to be able to do that and anything else he wants to do against the Howard defense. But if Bryant's good to go, Bryant's good to go. And if not, Sullivan will handle Howard and we'll hand it right back to Bryant the week after that. Like that's all no, two week, two, two weeks, weeks after, after that, right? Af- after that, after the Howard game is, is our bye week. Yeah, I, I would, I would not be surprised if we don't see Bryant much on Saturday for that reason. Um, and I just like I want to call a spade a spade. So Southern Illinois that we played last year and lost to, that's a really, really good FCS team. That's a playoff caliber FCS team, right? Um, in twenty twenty one and twenty nineteen, when Northwestern was similarly like not great, we dominated Massachusetts. Uh, late in the year, I might add, uh, and and beat Indiana State very comfortably in week two. And there's no reason why uh, even a shorthanded Northwestern offense can't handle the, the this team on Saturday. As long as long as they have to bring that mentality, right? If they if they go into this thing like, oh, this will be easy, yada yada yada. Well, that's going to be a problem. Well, but- and and that's the thing, Braun and you know Christian Smith came from the FCS. Yeah, they, they are know. like. They're they right know. there. They know. They know. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna let that complacency come in. Like yep. they know they know these I teams. Just, and Braun just doesn't operate that way. It's one of the things that Correct. you watch like the whole Penn State game. And I mean we're watching and again, it's like they had great defense and, and again they were because of those decisions that didn't work out in the third quarter, Penn State had a couple short fields and they capitalized. But especially in the first half, when you watch like Braun, again, we're beating a dead horse because we've brought this up so many times. His goal was to show Penn State a different look on as many downs as he possibly could. And again, he doesn't do it the way Manny Diaz does it. He doesn't do it by like, this play's got seven guys on the line of scrimmage and this play's only got three guys and it's all so crazy. He does it all within a seemingly basic framework but then you realize how much the base personnel is switching all the time. And again, we've talked about it. It's like whether or not Coco's on the field, whether or not Jaheim Joseph's on the field, whether where's Rod, is he back, is he down close, is Kenny Soares in, is Soares at linebacker, is Soares down at like as like a quasi-fifth defensive lineman. This stuff all shifts all the time. And that stuff matters. It's giving an extra leg up to the defense. It's confusing the offense. It's giving guys more to work with. And again, that's a piece of it. It's a piece of it. And honestly, I think it's an inspiring thing for the defense. I think it's one of those things that helps give guys belief and belief that like they don't know exactly what we're doing on this play. And after like the stasis we all endured for the past two years, it's so refreshing and it kind of fills your cup up as a fan. I have to think it's doing the same for the players. So he's going to, the, the, yeah. 20, the 2021 linebacker room is wondering if reps are. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's like, so, <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, you have, well, and that too, right? Mac Uline is playing a bunch. We've seen quietly Braden Bruss kind of having a low key for a guy who's at best our what fourth or fifth linebacker. Bruss has a, at least one TFL. He has a forced fumble on the season. It's like you see these guys getting chances and balling out and Uyline's playing a bunch and just guys rotating in. It's funny you guys talk about FCS players and FCS, you know, mentality, etc. I said this last week's pod and I'm going to double down on it. Richie Haggerty 
personally is going to take this game as a big opportunity. This is a guy who was our second leading tackler this past week against the number six team in the nation. He had two solo tackles and he batted down a pass. And remember, this guy was first team all conference for an FCS conference that is an order of magnitude above the MEAC. We're talking about the Missouri Valley Conference. The MEAC is a team, again, the MEAC only has six teams and only two of those six teams had winning records last year. And now Howard, I think, was one of those, but they were like six and five or something like that. Um, The Missouri Valley is North Dakota State South. The Missouri Valley is minting champions at the FCS level. So I just think he's looking at whatever the line he's facing and he's just going to go try to go off in this game and... um, yeah, you're going to get, that's the thing. I like, That's part of the reason we're all so excited is you just the character of this team. Like they are going to try to thump Howard and that's just awesome. One other thing that's awesome. And, uh, you know, before we move off of Howard, uh, just found out today that Howard is bringing their band, which, yeah. you know, you don't normally see at uh, Northwestern homecoming, the opposing team's band come in, but you know what? You get an HBCU band coming in. Holy shit, I cannot wait. That's going to be amazing. Yeah, d- 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 don't care that it's homecoming. This is fantastic. Um, I like whole, like even taking it a lot of old bub, I love that Northwestern is playing a historically black university in Howard. Um, HBCU, historically black universities and colleges. I, I think I think it's a, it, this, is a this is a great thing. The, the exposure for a school like Howard, um, you know, the, these, these FCS games are always uh, – paydays that help balance out resources in college football. Um, I love it. And, you know, the, the, the marching band at Howard, this is a tradition that goes back many, many years. Um, this will be an exciting, uh, entertaining event for fans. Uh, I encourage everyone to engage and enjoy uh, what 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 Howard and their band bring to the table? I think it's I think it's really great for Northwestern and, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm bummed I can't be there for homecoming this year, but um, I think it's pretty I think it's pretty cool. When when this was first announced, I was kind of like, wait, really? And like just that it wasn't a Big Ten opponent, but over time I've started to think like this is this is a really great this is a very cool and great thing that 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 is happening here. There's another piece I'd throw into the scheduling piece of this, which is, again, and, and I don't know, like, I don't want to say that maybe, I mean, I I don't want to put words in the mouth of, let's say, like a younger generation or a generation who just may just not be as aware about higher education in general. But, I mean, Howard is one of our foremost academic institutions. I mean, it yes. is a, Yeah, that, that is, a, I, I should have called that out. Yeah, yeah. a tradition you know, like an academically elite and tradition rich, you know, arguably our foremost HBCU. And from a scheduling perspective, what's so cool is the week after they play Northwestern, they're playing Harvard. And I'm like, it's just awesome school. Like, I mean, it's, these are the kind of schools that academically they match up with and are in league with. And it's really cool that they're playing that kind of schedule. Briefly on a football, because it, you know, it seems like from an X's and O's perspective, we're not going to address this game at all. And really, we don't really want to. The, the one thing I would point out, so offensively, um, Quinton Williams is uh, Howard's quarterback. It's really easy to confuse that with Quentin Williams, uh, Northwestern uh, Gator Bowl hero <laughs> in your mind. But this is Quinton Williams. Um, he is – so he's second team all MEAC. Again, I hasten to add there are six teams in the MEAC and only two had winning records. So he's one of 
the only two quarterbacks who had a winning record last year in the conference. So it's almost like default. He's second team all Miak. He's a, the key thing is he's a pocket passer. He's like six, four, six, five, tall, skinny. Um, I mean, he will try to run, but I mean, it's like two yards, three yards. Like they might try to run read option with him, but he's a pocket passer. He wants to sit in the pocket and throw. He's not horrible at it. Um, and again, it's like at the FCS level, like they can do some things and they were able to move the ball a little bit against like Eastern Michigan, et cetera. But even in that situation, We've talked about this many, many times, especially when you go down a level, et cetera. None of us want to see that water bug quarterback that's running all over the place and putting our, you know, hearts in our throats, et cetera. This is not that guy. He's a pocket passing quarterback. He's a guy that, again, if Richard, if Richie Haggerty's ragdolling the tackle out there, this guy is not running away from Richie Haggerty is basically what I'm trying to say. The other thing, and not to put the cart before the horse, but this ought to start giving you a little idea of what the second half of this schedule is going to look like. Another useful thing about Quinton Williams, a very lightly recruited, tall, pocket-passing quarterback, is that he's very similar in profile to Heinrich Harburg, the next quarterback we're going to play, Nebraska's quarterback, also an extremely lightly recruited tall pocket passer. They're very similar. So you're going to start to kind of get uh, a perspective and a profile of that kind of quarterback in this game. But again, it's like on the defensive side of the ball, there's, I mean, again, you watch the highlights. Well, real, real, yeah. real yeah, quick yeah. before you jump to defense, I think the one other thing that's important to note on the offensive side is this team does not, try to run a ton of plays. So right. they're 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 a, a, a pretty slow pace. Um they're averaging less than 60 plays a game right now offensively. Um that's weighted a little bit more run than pass, like 150 runs to 124 passes attempted. So um but but that like the 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 pace is measured. They want to slow the game down. Uh I I think from a from a fan perspective this will be a pretty fast game. Uh, on on Saturday, I expect I expect a heavy dose of running on both sides of the uh, both sides of the field. Um, who knows? They, like e- either team could bring a different perspective, but just based on what we've seen to date from from Howard and Northwestern, that's uh, how I think it's going to play out. And um, I, you know, I, whether or not they're they're trying to, I don't think I don't I, I think how I think Howard just knows their bread is buttered with the run. They have five players with um, du- double digit attempts uh, rushing the ball at this stage in the, in, in the year. Um, the the lowest number of those, Eden James only has only has played in two games, so you know they're going to run with multiple players. Um, they're going to you know, try to rush out of multiple looks. Quentin Williams is one of those five as as well. So uh, I th- that's just to to put a little bit of perspective on like what the game is going to look like. This is going to be a Heavy rushing, um, running clock uh, type of game without a without a ton of offensive plays. Yeah, and then on the flip side of the ball, like first of all, like I watched the Eastern Michigan Howard tape, and Eastern Michigan when they had the ball had a clear athletic advantage in the game. You're like, oh, Eastern Michigan's guys are like way faster than Howard's guys, and that's Eastern Michigan that we're talking about. We're not talking about a big time football program here. Um, and also, again, I hasten to add, because it's like, we can't stress enough how much we want you to throw out the Penn State game relative to what Penn State did on the defensive side of the ball. Um, 
Northwestern, since since the Rutgers game, when Northwestern hasn't played an elite defensive line featuring multiple NFL players on that defensive line, they've shredded the opposition. They destroyed UTEP in the second half, and they threw for 400 yards against Minnesota. Like, if you think they can't hit Howard when and how they want, I don't know what to tell you. Like, this team totally can do that. And that starts on the offensive line. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a bunch of Lausch. We see a bunch of dynamic running attacks where we just hit them all different ways. Like, we can absolutely do that against this defense and pile up points. And I expect us to do that. The the tailgate, you know, we're going to be there. Yeah. Um, it, it's homecoming. So come on by because, you know, we've, we've had a lot of fun at the tailgate so far this season. Um, you know, everyone who's come by so far, it's great to chat with everyone. Um, so swing by. We're, we're in the East Lot. We're up in the north end of the East Lot, right by the entrance to Wildcat Alley. Um, yeah, come by, say hey. Uh, we'll have some food. We'll have some beverages. Um, you know, especially for those coming in from out of town who don't get to come to many games. We'd love to see you. Come on by, say hey, and uh, yeah, share some laughs, share some share, share some joy. It's been an awesome environment for every tailgate too. I mean, honestly, like the like count us among everyone who was like. Again, taking us to where we all were like six weeks ago, being like, is anyone even going to come to these tailgates? Is like, what's the situation? It's been great. We've like, we're tailgating along with the young num alums, like just adjacent to them. It's been an awesome crowd. We have a ton of people. Every, every tailgate people show up. We have Sam and I have great conversations and everything. And yeah, come on over. Like it's, it's a good time. We got all the beer and probably pulled pork sandwiches and who knows what else that, that you could want. So yeah, come, come visit with us. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation and go Cats. Uh, real quick, let's uh, run around the rest of the conference last week. Um, not a whole lot of compelling games. I mean, it was a lot of, lot of, lot of blowouts. Um, you know, Michigan all over Nebraska. Minnesota beat up on Louisiana. Real, real quick, I want to yep. contrast Michigan-Nebraska <laughs> and State yeah, Northwestern. Please do. So Michigan-Nebraska ended 45-7. That's not a far cry from 41-13. However, at halftime, it was 28-zip. I was going to say, say, I was going to say, Scott's. In fact, in the th- at the end of the third quarter, it was 35 I was going to say, zip. it didn't end at 45-7. It ended somewhere mid-first quarter is what it ended. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Minnesota beat Louisiana 35-24. Maryland uh, beat Indiana, 44-17. Talia looking yep. good. Yeah. He yeah. had a day. Five yeah, TDs, three. 352 Oof. yards. Whew. Yeah. Um, Purdue all over Illinois, 44-19. Um, that makes me happy. I, th- I know that makes everyone else happy. That one definitely, everyone really noticed because Purdue has been no peach this year. And they dominated that game. And again, like Illinois, like... Yeah, suddenly we're all like, are are the, I mean, 
dare I even speak it, but uh, is the the karmic balance of the prairie state going to shift back to where it belongs. I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to get there yet. I'm just saying the signs are looking good. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's put a pin on that until a uh, little bit later yep. in, in the season. Why don't we huge, huge penalty disparity in that game. Um, and then Illinois like just was dreadful on third down two of 13. Woof. Um, Rutgers beat Wagner 52 to three. Cool. Whatever. Yep. Um, Iowa beats Michigan State twenty six to sixteen um, with points late. Yeah, well, points late being um, it was tied sixteen sixteen, and the next two scores that Iowa had one they got a turnover and kicked a field goal on a drive where they lost seven yards, and then uh, they had a seventy yard touchdown punt return or seventy yard punt return for a touchdown. And then I think they got one more, one more field goal at the end. But like point, point, like Iowa lost Cade McNamara earlier in this game, and they got like one nice. Try. Sorry, I, not not minus seven yards. They have fourteen yards in six plays um, on that field goal before. Uh, uh, that was that was their that was their final points. Yeah, so I, not 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 losing seven seven yards. Somehow I lost that. But regardless, point being, Iowa's offense remains. Quite broken, and then they got they they lost Cade McNamara earlier in this game, and so there goes, you know, one of the major pieces that I had thought would help bring their offense back to at least like reasonable capacity this year. And they're they're the the guy they've turned to, um, Deacon Hill, is a two hundred. Is, is he just is he just a clone of is, Spencer Petrus? Can, I, I, no, I, no, I would I, let me allow me to break out the adjective Lorenzen esque. Yes. Is how I, yeah. Well, he's, oh he's, he's like maybe a hundred pounds short of, of Jared Lorenzen, but he's a 260 pound quarterback. Um, he throws the ball. He, he had made 27 attempts. He, he completed 11 of them. That's 40% completion for those of you counting <laughs> at home. Not great. Um, but he, uh, he, he did not, he only carried the ball three times for minus three yards. So he's not like some crazy running threat. I'm sure he's good on, on, you know, fourth and short or third and short, et cetera. Like, but, um, be interesting to see what happens. They're going to, this is a, a bit of a sea change for them. I, you know, they've, they've been running out quasi pro style QBs for a long, long time at Iowa. And, um, this guy is not that. So we'll see how we'll see how they they uh, evolve over the over the coming weeks. I don't have high hopes. Yeah. Again, again, it's like the the same thing too, where it's like they won with the punt return, but why did they really win? Because Michigan State threw three picks, and like yeah. they did. It's because Iowa's defense is still Iowa's defense. It's not what it was last season, but it's like. This is how they somehow are are grinding out wins, right? But yeah, I I always two of thirteen on third right. down and made zero attempts to convert a fourth down. Right. Woof. So I mean, wow. but yes. uh, again, like, can we play with this team? You're damn right we can. Like one hundred percent. So looking at this weekend's game, we got a Friday night game in Champaign where Nebraska is at Illinois. Illinois is a three and a half point favorite. The over under is forty three and a half. Looking for a low-scoring game. I, State. I, I'd be pretty surprised if Illinois won this game. I just don't think that they've got the... 
I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's crazy. I just like Altemeyer throws a ton of picks. Harburg is, um, from middle of nowhere, Nebraska, and he's pretty much just good at running, but that like, that might be all you need against, against an Illinois team that has lost so much on defense and offense. Now, now like, granted they got smoked by Purdue. They didn't have Reggie love. Um, they threw a bunch of picks. Like I mentioned, like, so who, who knows, but I like the location of this game is not a reason to think Illinois is going to win. I'll put it that way. Give us a rehash of Minnesota, Nebraska, where both of those teams looked bad and then yeah. we beat Minnesota. So great. Yeah. Like run that back. Uh, on Sunday, we got at a uh, big noon Sunday, 11 o'clock, uh, Maryland at Ohio state, Ohio state, a 19 and a half point favorite at home. Oh boy. And your big noon Saturday, yeah. Where you're in a, oh, did I say Sunday? Yeah, sorry, Saturday. Sa- Sam, I would be thinking you'd be trying to scrub Sundays from like. Although you're coming off a win, so I should hey. I shouldn't talk. <laughs> well, that just means the Broncos aren't getting Caleb Williams, so you know. <laughs> yet, yet, Sam, yeah. long way to go. Yeah. The, <laughs> sorry. Although I, think, I do think it's worth noting that at this moment in time, the Chicago Bears possess. Not just the number one pick in the NFL draft, but also the number two pick in the it's NFL. Un- draft. It's unbelievable. Like it's like you you can't you can't beat it. Um, but anyway, sorry, Sammy. I the Kale y'all y'all think Talia Tagovailoa is looking at those nineteen and a half points and licking his chops? I just can't believe in the era of the NIL that Talia Tagovailoa isn't at Ohio State or more plausibly back at Alabama. How were they not able to make either of those things happen? Because he absolutely could will Maryland to win this game by himself, the way he's playing right now. I guess I pr- I probably don't think it will happen because Ohio State seems to be in a little bit better shape right now, but I'm not ruling it out. Uh, you've got Rutgers at Wisconsin, 11 a.m. on Peacock. Uh, so get out those streaming services and uh, watch Rutgers, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is a 14-point home favorite. I mean, the, the, the most likely outcome here is that Wisconsin outclasses Rutgers, especially at home, and wins us by a couple TDs. But, um, but man, Rutgers, Rutgers is 4-1 and one and has blown out everybody not named Michigan. I, I mean, I, we're all very curious. Let's, let's see what happens in this one. I can only imagine. Yeah, this is, de- this is definitely a see it's what like happens. A good, it's a game. good game, and I can only imagine yeah. how pissed everyone in Wisconsin is that, that doesn't have Peacock. For this game, like I, what a bizarre move. Uh, Purdue at Iowa. Iowa's a two and a half point favorite. Uh, that game also on Peacock, uh, 230 kick. Uh, Iowa, a two and a half point favorite at home, 38 and a half is your over under. I like it. So it's interesting. Like Purdue has looked real bad until, until this, this past game against Illinois. That the, the thing is though, is that, um, like I, I Hudson card has not had to play a defense like this. And I think that's just that that's, that's going to be the thing that breaks the back here, but like don't expect Iowa to rack up a ton of points. No. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like you forget Iowa eked out this win against a, a Michigan state team. That is just an absolute dumpster fire. Like Michigan state is they're as bad as it can be right now. Like they're totally lost and they still almost pulled it out against Iowa, but yeah, we'll see. Well, it's important. We we like pretty much everyone expected Michigan State to be bad this year too. This is not just like Mel Tucker and and the drama that's that's you know uh, come up uh, in the recent weeks. Like like we all expected them to not be great this year, and it's playing out. 
And then under the lights, uh, Michigan at Minnesota on NBC. Um, Michigan, a 19.5-point road favorite. Uh, 46 is your over-under. I mean, do, do they even bring the little brown jug? <laughs> I leave it leave it at home <clears throat> yeah, I guess that, that's re- that's really tempting fate and tempting karma so like they're probably gonna bring it but like like i i kind of feel for minnesota just like they're just gonna get destroyed in this game i'm i'm kind of curious to see if darius taylor will have any kind of success like i am starting yeah. to wonder exactly where he is in the big 10 running back pecking order right now like, I, I'm really starting to feel like he's one of the very best, and that's as a freshman. So I'll be curious to see if he can make any hay. But, yeah, this game ain't going to be close. Uh, we got some Wednesday, like, looking nationally, we got a couple of Wednesday night Conference USA games. That's that's fun. Um, not, nothing really exciting on Thursday night. Uh, Friday, uh, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. That could be entertaining. Um, but there's some there's some fun matchups on Saturday. Um, you got the Red River Red River Shootout or Red River Rivalry, whatever they're calling it these days. Uh, the last time as members of the Big Twelve uh, next year, it'll be an SEC matchup. Uh, but Oklahoma Texas, um, I like honestly like props to Texas how they have not fallen on their face by this point. I don't know. Like again, they. They messed around with Kansas for a while, but credit to Quinn Ewers and credit to like we're just so used to Texas always has face planted by this point. Like they've always like in the run up to this game have always totally blown it against some team that they are supposed to beat. And they haven't yet. I mean, do I think they're the number three team in the nation? I don't know. I don't like I like to me, like if you ask if Penn State plays Texas, I'm taking Penn State for sure, but I don't know. I guess we'll see. I mean, it is a big game. Or John. Or John, yeah, they blow it in this game. Yeah, that's true. Mm, yeah. yeah, fair. And they're a seven point favorite or six and a half point favorite. Like, oof. yeah, oof. Uh, but Quinn Quinn Ewers is um, pretty different from most Texas quarterbacks we've seen since a dude named Vince Young. Yep. Yeah. True. Wow. He can sling it. He there's there's a calm and a and a, and a confidence to him that um, I mean. Who who else have you, they have you even had since then? Who was? Yeah, no, I mean he's definitely he's got the cannon too. He's got the natural yeah. gifts that, to their credit, like a lot of the the most well known Texas quarterbacks did not have. I mean, what like Garrett Gilbert took them to a national championship game, right? He came in mm-hmm. in a national championship game. That was uh, um, oh, blank. Oh, right, um, um, the. Uh, Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. I, wanted, I almost said Pistol Pete. <laughs> I, sure. Same, same guy, right? Oh, man. Most Texas name of ever of any Texas quarterback ever. Yeah. Colt McCoy. Um, LSU Mizzou. I, Missouri's I, ranked. I, I like Mizzou, our, Missouri has like the most electric player um, in um, Luther Burden III. Top, you know, top five recruit nationally that, you know, from East St. Louis that somehow Eli Drinkowitz convinced to come to Missouri and they've kind of figured out how to use him this year. And it's, um, I mean, I don't want to use, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll use a name like Rondell Moore. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah, just a burner. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go Moss, but like, 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 like Rondell Moore is a good, like he just, he unlocks everything for them. He's got, 
43 receptions, 650 yards, and five TDs in five games. They're they're undefeated. What's the over what, under in what? this game, Sam? Um, it's 63 is... and a half. Yeah, that's where I was. I, I was as friend of the pod, Chris Giannini. Uh, like LSU is all gas, no breaks this year. All gas. They are what like the the sixth or fifth best offense in the country, and they can't play defense. And this one feels like it's going to be a shootout. Um, let's see. UCLA, Washington State. That could be fun. Um, you know, go, Wazoo is go un- Wazoo. undefeated. Tupac. Yeah. Tupac. Tupac. Let's do it. Um, Alabama A and M. I mean, you you'd think Alabama would would rock this, but uh, they're only a two and a half point road favorite. Credit to Alabama. Um, for their defense, just totally stepping up and being like an Alabama defense because their offense basically stopped working and it was like, oh, they're going to, and like Ole Miss had their moment and then they just clubbed Ole Miss and they're, I mean, again, it's like they're, I think their offense is still a work in progress, but man, I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if they just smother A&M. Uh, for the first time all season, Colorado is not on national TV. They're on the Pac-12 network against Arizona State. Um, Kentucky, Georgia. Kentucky's this. Georgia looks really flawed. Yeah. If this game was at Kentucky, I would be intrigued. There. It is at Georgia. Yeah. And yes. Nah. Yeah. No. I mean, but it's Kentucky along with Mizzou is these teams where suddenly you're like, wait, they're ranked? And they throttled Florida. Um, but again, that's. I mean, Kentucky's at least been good. Yeah. I mean, they've been good the last few years. And. Um, it's Stoops who's who's running the show there, right? Who, who, yeah, who's been? I mean, he's he's done a really good job building that program up, and they've he's they've been, been there through, for a long time too. Yeah, they've been through a couple cycles now. It's not just you know the 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 guys he brought in on day one. Um, and uh, but yeah, going to Georgia is a different order of operations. Notre Dame, Louisville. I mean, watch out! A ranked a ranked Louisville. Jeff Brome, five and oh. I want no part of Louisville right now. I'm just like, that guy is, he's, they're already building statues of him at his alma mater right now. Like, this guy is, yeah, this is as good as they've been in forever. And it's, so I mean, they, they did win, they won eight games last year, including their bowl game. Um, but, I mean, but like Malik Cunningham is gone, right? The guy who was the QB last year. But I just, like, to me, a we we know Brome is an exceptional football coach, but the fact that he's got a what fifth year starting quarterback in Jack Plummer, who was in his system for three of those years at at Purdue, is um, it's a boon that most new coaches do not have the luxury. I mean, you. Honestly, you could make the same argument about Sanders and his kid being his quarterback, right? Um, generally, that's not a luxury that a new head coach has, and it's why, in my opinion, Brome has hit the ground running so effectively at Louisville. And and but but like against NC State last week, they did, they pitched a shutout in the second half. They were down ten nothing at half and came back to win thirteen ten. So it's not just the offense, and it's not just. Um, Brom now at Notre Dame, um, a night game, like, oh, I'm sorry. It's a home game, home game. It's, a, game. It, like, it's in Louisville. Yeah. I, I, it's going to be packed with Notre Dame fans. It's not going to feel like a home game. That, 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 that's a, that's a much taller order than, than at NC state, but like, who knows this week? Like 
We haven't talked about Notre Dame Duke. There's one thing I got to say about Notre Dame Duke. Um, Well, two things, actually. The first is that how ironic that Notre Dame won that game because Duke made the same mistake that Notre Dame made the week before, which lost them the Ohio State game, which is that on a on a on a critical like long down in distance late in the game, they stopped bringing pressure. The third to last play against Ohio State, when they still had eleven men on the field, Notre Dame <laughs> did not bring pressure. They only rushed three, and, and and Ohio State converted a third and nineteen. And on fourth and sixteen, with the game basically on the line, Duke, who had been pressuring Hartman like crazy, only rushed three, dropped everybody else, and and Hartman ran for the first down, and that was that that was the game right there. Um, so that like. Who knows? We'll we'll see. It, like there's some weird karmic stuff floating around in the air right now. To me, Notre Dame has the exact record they should have, but they should have a win over Ohio State and a loss to and Duke. a loss to Duke. One hundred percent. And and well, the other thing I wanted to say about Duke is like, like if you're box score watching Duke the rest of this year, and Riley Leonard is injured and doesn't come back, like yeah, Duke is going to look like they suck the rest of the year. That does not mean anything about the first five weeks. Right. Nope. So pl- please, please pay attention to that. Uh, any other games jumping out to you? I, I, like the one I'm kind of intrigued by, and I don't know exactly why, but Arizona at USC, Pac-12 after dark. Uh, USC is a 21 and a half point favorite. But like, this is a sort of game like you got, Arizona. You just need Gus. Could, like come in and be I was gonna say, a little squirrely here. You need Gus Johnson calling that game. In the middle, it's on ESPN. In the middle of the night, sadly, that's the big decider, Sam. Because I'm like, if it was if if it was on Fox, you'd have me. I'd be like, if Gus is doing it, then I'm in. But I feel like Caleb Williams throws for like 500 yards in this game. Yeah, but they'll they'll give up 500 yards too. USC has no yeah, defense. Yeah, well, this is this is a classic. Like, oh, breathe a sigh of relief. We beat Dion. We're great. We're awesome. And then. By the time they wake up, they find themselves down 28 points to Arizona. Like, that's super plausible. Right. That That's kind of like, that's what it feels like it might happen. Sam, but Sam's just hoping that Caleb Williams tanks his draft stock a little bit because he's got to get down to about, what, three right now? <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, three or four. Something like, somewhere in there at this point. But yeah, The season's um, young. <laughs> uh, anything else we're missing tonight? No, again, just to to reiterate, and I know you're all on the same page here, that right, like everyone's aware that there are plenty of flaws and plenty of things that you can poke, but everyone just sees that this team is capable of playing really good football, and they did for a half, and everyone had a darn good time, a great time for at least one half of football last weekend, and this team's they feel like they're going to deliver. Um, and I think we're all pretty excited. Uh, definitely looking forward to seeing as many people as possible uh, on Saturday. Um, again, it's a two o'clock kickoff, so uh, all mid morning in the in the tailgate. You know, come on by and say hi. Love to see you all. Uh, and with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates, and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.